Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Stop, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kales River, along with the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters and I'm joined as always by the rector of our parish, the Archdeacon, Father Rodney Whiteman. Father Rodney, how are you doing? Lindsay, I'm doing as well as I can be. Um, thank you very much for asking. And I know that all your family are well. Um, and of course, uh, the challenge of um, of restarting has happened, and now we into our second week of reopening. Um, mm-hmm. So um, the the busyness and the logistical challenges um, we are facing, and of course, this week we also start with um, our first baptism since February month, but baptism in in an unusual way. So, um, yeah, all so far is okay by God's uh, loving grace. Awesome. Uh, we are continuing in the the theme of, of September, which is the church in creation. But the theme for this week is a living community. Do you want to unpack a little bit more of that theme, Father? Yeah, I think uh, in, uh, that's the, 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 the call of, of the church that we are in a sense, we are bound by our faith in Jesus to each other. Our baptism gives credence to that. We bear the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we share his life, God's life uh, in community, a life of prayer, a life of worship, a life of study, of scripture, a life of care, a life of communion, a life of um, uh, taking into responsibility for the wider community, so social issues and social justices. And we, uh, Jesus calls us to gathering where two or three are gathered in my name, where two or three ask in my name. God is active, active in the sense of community. The church, the word church is initially uh, e- ecclesia, which means um, ecclesia is the gathering of all the people of God, the assembly of the people of God. So it's, but it's not just a community. It's defined by the the, the existence um, or the purpose of being community. That it's not a, it's an active life, life living, um, a, a conduit through which the life of God, a channel through which the life of God works to bring hope and life and justice to all. Um, Often we forget um, uh, uh, because we are so interested in individual worship and individual salvation that we do not really um, pay attention much to community. So our sense of participation is, um, is very lowered. Uh, I think many of us have a sense of the title, I'm an Anglican or I'm a Christian, but those are all principles of living, way of being, way of living. And so um, I hope that we would have in the church grow a deeper sense that we belong to Christ and therefore belong to each other. Sadly, um, Sadly, for example, there are those who claim to be Christians, but whose tags are far more important than than being Christian because, you know, we, we label our traditions 
and therefore our teachings and the emphasis of our teachings are different. So when it speaks about living community, it does not mean only the Anglican Church. This is yeah. an outreach to all who claim to the name of Jesus as Savior and Lord. Um, all baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All who pray to God, as it were. Uh, if I think of that type, that uh, theme, I think of how um, one of the Wesley brothers who went to America to establish the church there, unfortunately, got them himself into trouble. But mm. one of them said, the world is my parish. So in other words, a parish community with membership on the role, on its role, does not exclude the, the people living in that community. So for example, all of Kale's River, whether you believe or you don't believe, whether you belong or don't belong, the church community of St. George's and St. Monica's and St. Mark's are called to take care of everybody because the church, as somebody said, comes together on behalf of the non-members. Mm. So that makes it a challenge of being a living community, not just inward-looking, but also outward-looking. Very we interesting that, that, that you say that because um, it makes me think like in the time that we are now, it's almost like wearing a mask. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I was watching a video that like was in exploring the science of masks, and it says that if 60% of people wear a mask, um, that it covers, it gives you 75% of the benefit of to everybody, <laughs> which is wow. which is which is incredible, actually. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, the way you work it out is, um, and and sorry to hop on this now, but if if you and I are in the same space and we both have a mask, so then if if the mask is reduces our risk by 50%, so that's 50% um, of us taking in, but it's also you then add the 50%, a further 50% on that 50% of it going the other way. So mm. then it's a 75% um, coverage and then reduction. And then when you extrapolate that over an entire community, over an entire country or whatever, if you get like 55 to 60% of people to wear masks, that 75% coverage is there. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, but, you, but you hear what you're saying, if you get that amount of yeah. people to do it. <laughs> so there must be this word, unity in community means if you can get people united around one theme and mm. one idea that's going to save the population, then unity means ex extending the idea and then gathering people to activate that idea into reality. They yeah. form a community around that. And why? Because we want to ensure that as many people stay safe and it, those that are effect, infected be isolated, sorted out and healed, coming back into the population, then the hunger exists. However, 25% um, chance of people being have contraction because some people... 40% of some people, 40% of that 60% um, that you said, mm. do not wear the mask. Yeah. Choose not to wear the mask. So, so that 
is that selfish behavior, whilst others are trying to do it for for 75% coverage, 60, 60% giving, for 75% coverage, and the others who do not are included into that number, then mm. the, the analysis around selfishness is really striking that um, if the majority are able to maintain it, it's the minority where the problem lies who choose not to do it. I don't even ever tell you. All, all of the ills in the world is, is the minority of people. Like racism is the, the minority of people. Yes. yes, yes. I don't know if I told you this, but I heard this on Cape Talk once where John Matham was saying that we, we, in terms of speed limit on the road, mm. he said that in terms of the analysis made, 80% of those who are driving on the roads will be obedient to the speed uh, speed limits on the road. Mm. Of the 20%, that 10%, if they, if they think they can get away with it, they will then break the law. Mm. But the other 10% indicates those who just don't care a, a hell. Then when you take that, which where they don't care, into consideration, the impact of that is far more huge on emergency services. Yeah. So why is it that that 10% or 20% are not living responsibly? Why are they choosing not? I think if you're part of a community, even here at, at St. George's, if we're part of a community, there are responsibilities, and just some people won't want to take that responsibility seriously. However, when push comes to shove, there is a, there's a claim we belong. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, and so that's a very interesting. So this is a, is a very important theme to continue to hold in front of every person who claims to be a follower of Jesus. Because Jesus called people to join him. And Jesus says, we two or more gather in my name, I am with them. So what is he teaching us about the deepened sense of community? Indeed. And Father, if we can just focus in on the community, call everybody to the right mindset with the collective prayer. Okay. So let us uh, focus on just greeting you. The Lord of all creation be with you. And I trust that all of you are blessed and finding ways to connect to the worship through either coming to church uh, by phoning us to book your place or also by being in touch with the visuals we are uh, producing. Let us now pray the collect that focuses on the second week of the seasons of creation, where Lindsay reminded us the church in creation. Let us pray. Lord God, you called your people out of Egypt to, per to new purpose and responsibility in the promised land. Bind us together in care for each other and deepen in us our vocation to care for the community of life 
through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, I knew when we were diving into Romans that this day would come. The first reading is taken from Romans 14 verses 1 to 12. And verses 1 and 2 go like this. Welcome those who are weak in faith, but do not argue with them about their personal opinions. Some people's faith allows them to eat anything, but the person who is weak in faith eats only vegetables. So let's just exclude the second part for now. But this first idea of do not argue with them about their personal opinions, that is literally what you are doing with me on a weekly basis. Um, I will confess that I am not as strong in the faith as I always say, and my wife hates it, that she is faithful enough for the both of us. Um, I was brought up as a Christian, raised as a Christian, but obviously I have my own opinions now. Where does this leave us, Father? Okay. Um, our, our, Paul is, for, for me, Paul is not arguing against having personal opinion. Being part of the living community, our opinions, because you the opinion opinionated guy according to your um, <laughs> website. Yes. The so opinion opinions opinions are are in fact um, a process of thinking through matters of interest, mm. uh, depending on the level of that interest. And then converse, conversing with whatever has already been produced and then be, be, being able to say into that, I hear what you are saying. This is my contribution to what you are saying. Automatically, when you, when you put the words personal in, that means people have taken, firstly, have taken ownership of it. But secondly, mm. have they taken responsibility for it? And thirdly, are they obsessed with it? I believe that when you and I are doing what we're doing here on a weekly basis, which I must say has been of great um, help to me, is putting on the table what we understand from the readings of Scripture that we have that, that encounters us. And we are saying, I am saying, this is my view. Mm. When I put on the table what I am saying like I'm doing now, then I am saying to you, I'm saying this and I take full responsibility for it. But now that I'm willing to put it on the table, it no longer belongs to me. Yes. yes. You then take what I'm saying to you and you say, I don't agree. Yes, I agree. And it begins to change. I can then from there say, okay, Lindsay, I am hearing what you're saying. So what I receive, what I take back is what I think will be of value to grow my understanding. Mm. What I find not helpful, I can discard. I don't have to take. I mean, I don't have to eat the whole plate that is dished up. I yeah. can just yeah. take what can improve the way I understand things. I think I think when we get to the point of obsessions about what we think, when we think that nobody's going to change my mind, you see, then you're closing the door for growth. Mm. Um, mm. 
Paul does also say, do not argue with them. So does, does having an opinion and expressing it lead to an argument? Doesn't it actually say, let me listen to where you're coming from? Because if you raise something, I may either, listening to you, not have any clue and knowledge about what you're talking. So my, my interaction will be questions. But as you respond and as I'm listening to you, I'm forming an opinion about the subject at hand. If we lead to arguments, then what's the value of arguments? Uh, where does it lead us to? Now, I think constructive um, critique of what each other is saying will help me know that once I've put my opinion on the table, Lindsay is not going to do the, to give me anything back that's a personal attack on me. Yeah. yeah. Because the weak in commerce, two of us are not weak in faith. We will take umbrage to what is then being said. And when we take umbrage, if we're weak in faith, we will we withdraw, we withdraw. We are not strong enough in our faith to say, hold it. Am I strong enough to listen? To Lindsay. Mm. Can I take mm. on board what Lindsay is saying, even if Lindsay's opinion is so out of the way? Does it discredit what we are dealing with? No, that's where Lindsay is. Let's embrace him, him and what he says. But 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 if Lindsay feels threatened that his opinion is going to be changed too much, him and is obsessed with it. He holds on to it, and, and then there's a, an inner withdrawal from community rather than being taking the risk to be in community is to take the risk to share your understanding, to share what you have come to, uh, to, to grapple with. And even if it comes out in an inarticulate way, questions, rephrasing helps us to grow because I think it would be very unfair for us to say in community none of us have an opinion yeah that would weaken the community or we, we must take Malema's Malema's words we must have a robust conversation mm. you know what I mean there's that but I mean uh, uh, if I'm having robust conversation and end and end up like Malema where I'm not accepted, then I walk out of parliament. That has no help to, to my opinion is not more than the community I'm part of. Yeah. yeah. But the community gives me space to share it. So, so Malema mustn't take obsession to his, to his opinion, political opinion. He needs to take responsibility for being part of the community of parliament because they are representing people, not just of his party, but of the wider community. Yeah. So yeah. in the church, we can't move forward in our thinking and in our actions if we are not putting our understanding, our ideas, our opinions on the table, but without a sense of obsession that they can't be altered, changed, and enable you to grow. But mm. if you're weak in the faith, arguing about them may be very destructive. Conversing with them and listening to each other is the call for us to make. Uh, it's good that you brought up like the Malema thing, where 
there's 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 obviously this debate now going around about like the DA's policies because they had their policy conversation now in, in the last week and they focusing on the whole um uh non-racial sort of society which I am quite against because like our country hasn't advanced enough to get there but it's in having those conversations where a lot of people are just they just want to clam up and say no but we need to progress in this direction and it's like no you kind of have to understand where <laughs> where like if people are tearing up a clicks you know there's there is something that needs to be discussed you can't just dismiss them as being violent and unruly and all of those things and and god forbid you call them stupid because like that that is the least that they are it's like you're just not understanding their point of view like what they're doing is maybe not constructive <laughs> um, to yes. their argument, but there is an argument that needs to be had and the only way we do that is when we confront um the the deep hurts that has caused that unrest um and yeah. and i like I, I tried to achieve that i shot a video um uh, last week about like exploring like colored culture like what is colored culture like how do we celebrate it because september is heritage month in south africa and it's a very turbulent time for <laughs> for colored parents at least with school going kids because now heritage day comes along and they must dress in their heritage and it's like what what is there so like these conversations need to be had and i like the way that paul he first calls out the those who do not eat who eat only vegetables and then he continues um by saying that those who refuse to eat certain things do so in honor of the lord and they give thanks to god so like for me i take out of that is there's a reason why someone does something you might not understand it um but it's actually your duty within the community to try and understand why they are doing the things that they are doing and then also allow them the opportunity to understand why you don't do that and then all love in harmony knowing that you are actually kind of pulling in the same direction just with different techniques yeah i i was wondering as you were talking what relationship does faith have to opinions mm. um is my opinion what i believe or is my opinion um just expressing what i believe in a way that is till uh, is it in in objective way or is it said in a dogmatic way yeah. is my faith is opinions the way i express my faith and my actions so for example if somebody stands up and say the only way we're going to live in this country from now on is that we're only going to eat vegetables mm. because mm. i want you all to be vegans or vegetarians and enforces us to think that way um yeah. i mean my my understanding of what is food and what is healthy food comes from my parents they mm. had a tradition i mean how many of us can talk about what sunday lunch looked like in the past many of our young people these days don't know what sunday lunches are but there yeah. was you know the looking forward to things you never had in the rest of the week and um and then of course your meals would be far more sumptuous relaxing and all of that um so when we and then of course we 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 do realize that 
there are certain opinions and beliefs that are formed based on whatever scientific studies are done. Yeah. Uh, but then a study done on, on a particular aspect does not necessarily mean that that study will come up with the message that says, if you only do this, then you're walking the right way. Or because other studies will show something different. I'm, I'm just amazed yeah. at yeah. the various studies around whether we should drink how many cups of coffee and the other time, how many cups of tea and what is the healthy route and not the healthy route. <laughs> so nobody seems to know for certain about but all of these things. That you bring up that so, so therefore, therefore, even I mean, my opinions are really not just my own. It's informed or yeah. ill-informed. Yeah. So, so, so what then does Paul teach us at the end of all of this? If I'm doing something as my means to honor God, then somebody looks upon me, do they see that my sense of doing it is to honor God? Why then should it be criticized and judged and torn asunder? Mm. Um, so, 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 because at the end of the day, and I think this is the thesis he makes, God decides whether to accept it or not. God decides whether to judge it or not. Mm. Our judgments don't really count, but our judgments can weaken people yeah. in their sense yeah. of self and in their faith in God. So in other words, if you're part of a community, not all of you, none of you are, are the same. That community has so much diversity in it. So how then are we to treat one another? Mm -hmm. um, which will come up in the second in the second reading around the gospel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This whole thing about living in community seems to focus on the church this week. Um, and yes, I think there is, I mean, this whole issue, for example, of former suburbs uh, were, were only so-called Caucasian people um European with the European value structures. Mm. Now mm. you have a middle class black community growing yeah. that yeah. also wants to live in these suburbs. Are they then allowed to bring their cultural uh, practices into that culture? So when they are going to slaughter a sheep or a cow for a celebration in the family, must they now leave uh, the suburb and go to the rural area to do this? Mm. Because mm. the prominent culture there decided that killing animals are, 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 are a form of violence. Um, we had this debate in the church, in our diocese, in fact, because yeah. Yeah. there were those of the of the traditional uh, African cosa, I suppose, in terms of, 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 of race, um, nationality, and culture, where a celebration was just not having tea or high tea and yeah. cucumber yeah. sandwiches. Celebration was, let's kill a cow. Yeah. Let's use yeah. the hide for, uh, as a symbol. Let's cut up the meat and eat it amongst ourselves. Mm -hmm. Which, which is not different to what happened in, in early Israel. But there was a whole debate about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To, to the extent where when opinions were sorted out 
the, the, those of us that are not used to that, um, it, it's fine if the abattoir has got uh, soundproof walls <laughs> and none of us hear what they do to the animals outside there, which brings me to Leon Schuster's um, camera, yeah. court yeah. camera thing. You know, once you hear that sound, do you eat the animal after that? So how then, on, on, on what, would it, was it based on white culture that they rejected it? Was this a Christian thing? Or was African, the African culture seen as a pagan uh, festival? Yet this was happening all in the structure of the living community. Yeah. yeah. So that, that, that's the danger of, of those sorts of non-racial policies where um, you, you end up losing that colorfulness, that diversity. You, then you end up betraying a lot of people's sense of community. Um, and then you start causing major socio, social problems because you have like this diaspora now that you've caused by trying to put everybody into the same pot. And like the, the it's good that you, you, you bring up like the vegans and stuff. Cause I, I love having arguments with vegans because I'm sorry, but it's so dumb that you are now making a judgment call that ending the life force of a plant is better than ending the life force of an animal. It's like, you're still killing something to eat. Like that is what you are Absolutely. doing. That is Absolutely. how you move energy from one source to another, which is what food is. And a friend of mine, or at least an acquaintance of mine, she actually moved back from veganism now. She got into like heavy physical training and that sort of thing. And now she's back to eating meat. And she, she told me that um, it wasn't actually that big of a, switch for her like mentally like she didn't have any issues going back to it because she realizes now that it's all energy like that's all that the food is and <laughs> it's like once you once you reduce something you take out your emotion because that's that's what i keep telling people like veganism isn't a it's not a diet it's it's an ethical practice so like you shouldn't wear leather and like no animal products and that it's your ethical choice. It's not a set of dietary. There's no benefit that you can get from that, like through nutrition. There's no nutritional benefit to veganism. It's all mental, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> and but I'm sorry, but I don't care about, about the, the feelings of the, of the cow that died for the steak that I'm going to put on the bride tonight. <laughs> I think I think I think that is why we need to then begin to say, let's say we are we are this diversity in community. Mm. We, you know, for example, in my home, one child may not love two spicy foods. Yeah. Another would. So now mommy who's making the food or whatever's making the food has to now think about the diversity in her home. Mm. Who does she favor? Who does she leave out? Does it mean she must now make two pots of foods that are different? You know, mm. putting pressure onto her simply because my opinion is different to your opinion. Yeah. How do yeah. we bring the same thing around, for example, do we sing hymns in church, a traditional church that we are? Or do we bring in the new choruses? If we do, what kind of choruses can be sung? What are mm. good choruses and not good choruses? What are good hymns and not? I mean, one of the hymns that are now being discarded is Onward Christian Soldiers because it yeah. seems to celebrate yeah. war. So there yeah. again, yeah. Uh, this, uh, as somebody said the other day in one of the series I was watching, 
there, if there's a, if there's a room of 100 people all wanting to learn about justice, mm. then there will be 100 different understandings of what justice means. Yeah, but the, the important thing to know is like with the vegans, as much as I love arguing with them, like I see the value that they have in society, like the food that I purchase now is being treated better. Like the animals' rights are being considered, like they're not being pumped full of antibiotics anymore. They're not being like chained up or like they, they're being treated better. And then that presents in the quality of the meat. And it was if it wasn't for those militant animal rights activists, like that positive overall change may not have happened. So like you need diversity and you need robust discussion and argument. Um, and that's um, what, what, what Paul is saying here, is that it's not for you to judge that person. It's, it's for God Absolutely. to make that, that, that judgment, yeah. And I think that's the contribution we as Christians and people of faith-based communities can make in the, in the like for example, we, we go from community to community. We have a community in our homes, we have community in the neighborhoods, extended mm. families, but we, we have work communities, social gatherings, places of work where a vision has been established yeah. uh, and every element of that work must go forward. There is also in politics, in economics and education, everywhere uh, people come together socially, that's a gathering. But in and with the leadership of each of those gatherings, take responsibility to recognize that the, 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 if the vision is not captured uh, by all, and if the um, motivation uh, to encourage everyone to take responsibility, and there's a kind of equality in 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 in, um, in allowing people to grow and to to defend. You know, the, let, me, let me bring it in like this. Today, in a very long time, I realized as I stood at the grave of the person that we were burying. Um, and for the first time, I must admit in, in, in utter dis disgust that I personally, before I left the grave, said thank you to the grave diggers publicly. Oh, wow. And I thought to myself, and some of them, you know, because they're conscious of who, what they're doing, Mm. And people do not see them as valuable to our community. Yeah. And I was standing and talking to one of the one of the lay ministers once the, the, the they were busy closing the grave. And I realized how if we do not have grave diggers, what will we do with the corpses? Yeah. Therefore, if we're treating people with honor in the church when we when they died, that man and woman at the graveside are treating them with honor when they make the graves representable for a coffin mm. to be received. Mm. And then if we say that's an incredibly part of, of who we are as community, should we not therefore be saying that those people must be paid a fair wage not just a living wage, a fair wage, because of the contribution they make to our lives. And if so doing, 
wouldn't our grave sites look better because they'll have purpose to work? Those same they, they grave diggers do not clean up the graveyards. Our graveyards is already in the site. Yeah. And if we treat our dead like that, no wonder we're treating our living in the way that we are treating because we see one another as nothing. Mm. And that sort of sort of brought brought my my mind to a certain amount of openness. Um, I mean, I would not choose to be a grave digger. But what if that man chooses that he doesn't want to be a grave digger? Yeah. So we must make that an essential part of our living, then ensure that we have a proper structure of payment to them and give them a sense of dignity in what they do. Isn't that what community does? But our communities are formed on a hierarchical structure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the problem is. It's patriarchal. Mm. And that's why it breaks down. That's why there's so much judgment. Because every one of us is wanting to climb the ladder from the step that we are on. Yeah. That's step. Yeah. Uh, Desmond Tutu told us once that everybody in South Africa uh, seems to have acquired a PhD. And he said it stands for pull her or him down. Because mm. that's the thing, like as you said, now you want to when you want to progress from the step that you're on, you have to climb over somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And 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 going to that next step makes you better than the person on the lowest rank of of that ladder. Is that how community functions? Mm. So it, this this thing calls us to a living community, not to a patriarchal community. Yeah. And yeah. the living community calls us to a theo theocratic community where God is the, 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 the Lord of all and the judge of all. Mm. And that's a neat segue into the gospel, which is Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. And it deals with a parable of the king who wants to settle his accounts with his slaves. So it starts off with Peter coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, if a member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times. And Jesus says, no, seven not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. And then the story is basically the king wants to settle his accounts. The one slave doesn't have the money to repay him, or at least the, the talents that, that were loaned to him. He doesn't have that to repay. And then he pleads for his life and for mercy, and the mercy is given. But he then goes and does not give that same mercy. He doesn't pay that mercy forward to the person who owes him something. And then he gets tortured until... Um, and I, I love the, the sentiment of it because it, it feeds into my pers personal philosophy that I try to pass on to my kids every single day because kids get into the weirdest arguments and have the weirdest ideas of like very firm ideas of how things are supposed to work. And I always say as much as you want the freedom to do and live your life and dream your dreams, so you must give somebody else the same freedoms, no matter what. Absolutely. You know, what I find very interesting about the text, and, and that is what you've just done now, you've given reason. Mm. Jesus says, for this reason, based on this reason, that forgiveness must be 77 times, that the kingdom of God can be compared or may be compared to a king seeking to settle accounts with his slave. So 
at the end of the day, we all run up accounts in our lives. Those accounts will have to be accounted for. The um, Lord's Prayer says, forgive me my sins so that I can forgive my, 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 those that sinned against me. The old language says, forgive my debt as I forgive my debtors. So, so we, 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 when, we, when we can't even understand the experience of forgiveness um, of the master of the king, kingdom showering pity over us because we have pleaded in humility with them and walk away with a forgiven debt, a clean state to start over. Um, when we are oblivious to, to that generosity and, and then cannot treat others in the same way, uh, who owe us pittance in comparison, that definitely is a heart of selfish intentions. Um, was he therefore saying to this slave that owed him pittance, if you had paid your debt to me, I could have paid my debt to the king. Mm. That is why he went after him. So he was so embarrassed and ashamed that he had to appear to give account and plead for clemency. Um, goes to the other slave and say, and has this mindset, you owe me, pay it up, yeah. right? And that slave says, please, I'm pleading with you. So economically, economically, the second slave is on a, on a, on a, on a, on a weaker level than that slave that the king had freed. Yeah. Economically, yeah. Um, if, you can, if you can lend money to people, then you better off than them. Yes. Either in management or in the fact that you have more resources of money on you. Mm. And so mm. where then is your, is your generosity? Did the generosity of the king not pour into the heart of this first slave? enough to be able to look at the second slave. But what is far more striking here for me in, in terms of the living community are these words in, in 18. When his fellow slaves saw what, he, what had happened, they were greatly distressed. So the mm. wider community was paying attention to what was going on. They were blessed by what the king had done. But when they see what happens, as one could say, in the pews, yeah. when we are yeah. conscious that destructive behavior is happening between us, when do we call it into book and say, I'm so distressed with that, that they had the courage to report it to their Lord. Mm. If we allow this thing to happen, it will weaken our sense of community, our sense of care, and we will not be able to celebrate this wonderful generosity of the, the Lord of the kingdom. And mm -hmm. I think that for me was the, the, the real point driven home. 
Peter made it sound like an individual story between two people that just affects those two people. How many times must I forgive somebody of a church community if they sin against me? Well, Jesus says you must forgive them completely. That's the law of the kingdom. But we must begin to say we hold everybody accountable because we are taking responsibility for the community to which we belong. And so these fellow slaves um, recognized the damage that was being done. Mm. Uh, because mm. if, if, if that slave refused to give clemency to the one that owed him, if that behavior was not challenged, would mm. that not weaken mm. our sense of community? But there's an interesting lesson in this also about um, the 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 power of mass action, and it's like there's there's been a lot of debate lately about the merits of cancel culture, and like for for me, the 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 dominant like those who dominate the zeitgeist at the moment, like the the tastemakers in society, which are increasingly the Gen Zers, um, they are are holding the world to a higher moral standard than has been held before and i i i mean like go with me <laughs> i'm listening i'm one. listening <laughs> and it's important that that the, the lessons that we take out of cancel culture is the fact that if somebody who we have placed on a pedestal be it a politician be it a personality be it something that the community has put there in that position if they do something that we can all agree and say is wrong that we should mobilize and remove them from their from that pedestal that we put them on because like be it a beloved cricketer or whoever like if you were part of doing wrong you need to be taken to task and i'm sorry but you must Give the same, you must give back the same that you took from somebody. Like if you were, if you encourage racism for one of your fellow players and you are in a captaincy position or something at that point, I'm sorry, he's not going to cut it. It's like you need to do more. You need to go further. You need to actually help rebuild this community that you decided to tear down. And like that, that that's the lesson here is that the, the slaves mobilized together and they were like, you know what? You got something and you are not treating it correctly. So we're now going to <laughs> go sort you out. Yeah, I, I think I think you, you are correct. I mean, it goes around the money that was now stolen, uh, COVID, the COVID thing uh, that mm. was it was stolen, and there's uh, also now the the president was giving um, 48 hours to whoever gave permission for the ANC to use some form of air transport of the SANDF, yeah. and um, and then you had just before that Mr. Zuma writing a letter to the president criticizing him for assuming that the money that was stolen is um, is now associating ANC with corruption. Yeah. Um, that's the very same man that's been guilty of so much corruption in our country, mm-hmm. uh, telling us not to, to, to behave in this way because he wants to protect the ANC. Now, isn't this very interesting that 
when you reach a level of prominent prominency or assumed prominence prominency in your in the in in your community in the world wherever such as a celebrity or a um or you've you've become wealthy uh, or you become a politician or become a priest or a, or whatever it is then you are a buck the it was said in the past the pulpit is six feet above criticism yeah so that's the principle here so when 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 i who who am ordained to use the pulpit to give leadership and teaching go in with that sense that i'm now in a place that protects me to do what i like i don't deserve to be there because i must have a sense of accountability to the community yeah and so raising up to a level of status doesn't make me above criticism in fact the challenge is that i must be even more humble um what di- what if we go back to the gospel reading what is jesus saying to us about a king who feels pity on a slave mm. years his plea for clemency feels within himself the pity and then says i release you i forgive you for your debt to be able to say that from a position of power because these things of being released having pity and forgiving could be seen as a state of weakness yeah so jesus what is jesus saying about the morality of the king of the kingdom um the the humility he had to write off a loss mm so there's a lesson there in those that are put in high places are not above criticism we have to look to them and say we must live by the example you will set if you telling us this is the vision of this community we need to see that in your life mm. we baptizing people tomorrow one of the things that will come up is the question posed to the parents and the godparents will you by your own example of prayer and of teaching and the way you live bring this child up into the ways of Christ you the parent you in the position of power and control but you decided to bring this child for baptism this is the responsibility you have to carry yeah. will you do that and so in other words the community the wider community is saying and Jesus is saying nobody is above the law mr trump believes he is above the law mr zuma believed he was above the law um um many people in positions of power and 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 status believe that their lifestyles their actions and behavior should not be critiqued and criticized but the community has the final say because the vision is captured by the community the king knew nothing of what was done in the streets or the alleyways but fellow slaves knew their ears were fixed to the ground yeah. so it's not yeah. just the king's responsibility it was every other person in that community that had the responsibility of what kind of community life would value them all and that would be where you show 
compassion and concern, where you help one another, where you give one another a second chance, where you are forgiving to each other. What, what, what is the benefit of creating such a society, such a community um, in which those and other like principles can happen? Um, so I think that this is a worthy lesson, not just, uh, as Peter put it, for members of the church. This is for the wider community also, yeah. where yeah. many things happen. I was confronted, not confronted, I was told a story today by somebody uh, who said that he had done a job. He didn't know that the person that he did the job for um, was a pastor. And when he asked about the payment for doing the job, there was hesitation on the, on the part of the pastor. Mm. The labor cost was 150. Here's the rub. When the wallet was opened, the money bills that were lingering inside of the wallet was of such a surplus. But this man was so disgusted in the attitude of not giving what was fair, yeah, what was yeah. agreed upon, that he that his attitude at the end was to say, "I wanted to say to this man who's the pastor, if this is the attitude you have in wanting to give what we agreed on, then keep the money." Yeah, because yeah. that's what your attitude is portraying. And I just thought that was an amazing story. Um, I'm, I hope he wasn't referring to me because I don't carry a wallet, wallet around with me. <laughs> and my wallet is only got coins in it. It doesn't have anything more than coins in it. But do yeah. you see the yeah. principle is in a, almost all of the experiences of life? Because yeah. there's an assumed Lord, creditor, and there is assumed slave, debtor. debtor. Mm. And this plays off in the minutest of experiences to the biggest of experiences, such as the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, yeah. What I, yeah, that that's a that's a that's a, that's a good point. Um, but but like 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 I'll re re return to to my idea where like the the younger crowd of today, like the twenty five and unders, they have this this sense of injustice that I I haven't seen before. Where it's like they really, it, it's probably because that generation has only grown up through turbulent time, turbulent times. Like they have never had stability, and I think they are starting to link the actions or the attitudes of of the elders, um, the destructive attitudes. Where it's like nia nia nia, or something like that. Where it's like. If he's wrong, he's wrong, and you need to call him out on it. Like everybody is equal under the agreed upon law. And like those who you voted into office have taken your vote of agreement to then pass the policies that everybody has to live by. So, like, right down to the bottom of that chain, everybody in the community has a say, and that's what the democracy means. And especially now that the world is more social, that media is more social, like social media, we can all mobilize together and we create the reality that we live in. And that reality needs to come with checks and balances 
um, that come from the community as well? I think in every generation, there is um, the younger, um, uh, uh, now in, in your uh, um, adult years, where you've had a chance to be educated mm. by mm. the previous generation, um, and you are able to critique them uh, because your own sense of survival in that community, in that is, is of essence here. 25 year olds would struggle to get into workplaces. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, struggle to and, and see the injustice here, for example, where we have, there's no real change in the economic uh, lifestyle of South Africans. The poor who were poor before are still poor generationally. Mm -hmm. Uh, the rich, uh, the only difference that has happened, it would seem is if there's a black middle class that has been established as a buffer mm -hmm. to protect the 1% wealthy people. Yes, so yes. Where, where there's any crisis economically and politically, the middle class has to take the bear the brunt of it, whilst mm -hmm. that um, faceless 1% are... Are, 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 are okay, they can just get on with their business because yeah, yeah. the inheritance they receive generationally, which has been unfairly dispersed, mm -hmm. still becomes their clout of power. And, and this, this happens. So 25-year-olds to 35-year-olds um, do tend to have the courage to be able to say to the previous generation that has continued the structures that form society that are unfair and say, how do we go forward if we allow this to continue? So those voices are pertinently um, um, needed to hear those words of reflection um, to speak into a context where the elders seemingly have become complacent, mm -hmm. seemingly have just, you know, uh, they too, old to be part of the living community yeah, um, yeah so god has made these of such a nature that one generation teaches the next generation but the next generation critiques the the, the generation that taught them so yeah, that the yeah. generation that follows the middle generation is more empowered to embrace tradition but also to be able to develop new things going forward for a better world where we care for one another, uh, as you say, um, a more just society. Mm -hmm. um, so the very, the very um, group of 25 to 35-year-olds in the elder group who's now grown older sometimes have forgotten all of that because yeah. Yeah. they just, you know, we, we, we stayed in our ways, so we need the challenge of the younger generation. And we need to have the humility because sometimes we say, and I've heard this, when I was a young priest, energetic and full of ideas, I was told by somebody, my senior, you know, when we were young, we also thought of those things. Mm. And we also opened our mouth about those things. But you, the very ones that are telling me, now I mustn't open my mouth or you are <laughs> problematic with me. I've had issues with this. That is why my stance has always been, I listen to young people. I want to hear what they're saying. I want to create a platform for them because unless we do that, I'm going to be 
I'm going to be robbed of something valuable to help me grow and for me to stay alive. I need to hear their voices. I need to experience their input. So whilst I may have the necessity for a platform, I would hope that young people would realize that they must step onto that platform. At least where I'm, where I'm involved, that's what I'd like to see. They, they, they have a valid contribution to make. They reinterpret terminology, and through the reinterpretation, we are able to come unstuck from our complacencies to be able to move forward to a more lively community. Mm. That's a great way to end this conversation, Father. If you just want to touch on another points of reflection for the week ahead in the praise of the church. Certainly, as we um, think of the community at large in our prayers this week, we are asking that God, who is the great creator and who painted beauty everywhere, uh, weeds often have grown up in holy and sacred places, and all our labor of reconciliation seems to be in vain, and the current virus threatens to undo our gatherings. As church and as community, we feel overwhelmed with the troubles, plagued by many worries, and of course challenged because within this community there are the selfish and the arrogant who refuse to see that they are to be interdependent and with one family. We thank you, Lord, for creating us with diversity and gifts in beauty with resources and talents enough to share. Forgive us that we hoard and hide from others, turning strangers, turning the strangers into enemies. So our prayer is that, dear Lord, you may make us one people today. Make us worry only about the whole family. Give us your beauty and generous product creativity that we might be woven together in love. As for the theme on young people, we pray for those who are caught up in life of gangsterism and crime and prostitution. We pray for their deliverance and that the light of hope will rise for them on the horizon of existence. And then we continue to pray the COVID-19 prayer, author of life and healer of the nations, grant us courage to face our trial, give us wisdom to find relief, faith to be responsible, and grant us your salvation, O Lord. And then in conclusion, we could do the blessing uh, that is given for this week. Loving creator of seasons and lifetimes, you ask us to follow, but we would lead. You ask us to be humble and deny ourselves, but we ache to return to greatness that never was. We want so much to be renewed and energized, yet we refuse to let our power go to others. We hold on tight to the control we don't have and refuse to see your face in the need around us. Let us be like those ancestors before us who always saw the holy in each and every one, who saw your imprint in the sand and the mountains, and who lived for others and lived for the divine. Strengthen us for service today and every day make us humble enough to follow you daily into dark alleys 
and teeming streets of need, let us be the love you wish to share with the world. We pray that we will go in peace to love and serve the Lord in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you very much for tuning in. God bless you. Your contributions or feedback is welcomed. And we ask that uh, Lindsay, uh, we thank him for the wonderful job he does for us every week. In conclusion, Lindsay, I just want to remind people that um, Sunday services for the month of September uh, at St. George's, it's 7.30 and 10.30. This week and next week, only people whose children are being baptized will attend the the, the 10.30 services. At St. Mark's, it's 7 and 9. At St. Monica's at 10 o'clock. And then on Wednesday at 7.30 and on Thursday at 9 o'clock at St. George's and St. Mark's also at 9 o'clock. And then the, the um, uh, office is opened on Mondays between 9 and 1 and between 6 and 7 on Thursdays between um, 9 and 1 and on Friday as well. Um, Bishop has asked us to slowly progress back to normal. So we're doing this as normally as we can. But if you need to speak to me about anything, we could either do that over a phone call, over a video, or you can come and make an appointment and I'll meet you at the church. So may God bless you for the rest of the week and your life.